You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. If it's not apparent at this point... At Monster Shock, we love monsters. As we've engaged with these subjects from a skeptical point of view, I hope it's always remained clear that we're truly interested in these topics, the odd, the monstrous, the Fortean, the paranormal, and not just to dismiss or debunk them. These kind of stories form some of the most colorful patches on the quilt of human experience. From the winter of 1966 to the winter of 1967, Point Pleasant, West Virginia was ground zero for a lot of really strange occurrences. The kind of stuff that J. Allen Hynek would call high strangeness. Several people wrote about these events, but none really brought it all together like one writer in particular, John Keel. Keel collected stories of flying humanoids, UFOs, giant birds, strange phone calls, alien visitors and other strange portents which all seem to tell of an impending terrible event. And they collected all of this material into a book called The Mothman Prophecies. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland. It's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Dog. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. In May of 2017, I was listening to the podcast Astonishing Legends when they introduced a most surprising guest. Through a series of very interesting coincidences, the hosts of that show, Scott and Forrest, discovered that they had a connection with the screenwriter Richard Haddam. Haddam had been involved with a lot of projects, but of immediate interest to me was the screenplay that he wrote for the film adaptation of John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies. That film came out in 2002, and I remember being really intrigued when I saw that they were going to make a movie out of Keel's book. If you've never read the book, you should. It's a very engaging story, but it's also effectively unfilmable. There's not really a plot exactly. The protagonist is a very passive observer, and at the end of the story, you basically know nothing about why the odd things occurred within the book. Yet, 
It's an often haunting account of 1960s West Virginia and the typical people of that time being confronted with the most peculiar set of experiences. With a good deal of trepidation, I went to see that movie by myself, expecting some kind of hokey or maybe even a traditional monster movie. What I did not expect was a haunting and sinister narrative that felt like a lost episode of The X-Files without the grounding that comes from having the FBI there to keep things centered in the real world. The movie is set in modern times. It has to dump a lot of the phenomena described in the John Keel's book. It adds a lot of fictional details to give it a more, a more traditional narrative construction. And it probably confused a lot of people who came expecting a straight horror film or a historic recreation of the events from that period. Yet for me... I think it works, and it's become one of my favorite films of this kind. I've put a link to the three episodes of Astonishing Legends that feature interviews with Richard Haddam in the show notes at monstertalk.org. What I realized while listening to those three discussions is that Richard's really into this stuff, but he comes at it from a different perspective than Karen and I do. So I thought it would be fun to talk to him about the process of turning Keel's work into a screenplay and about some of the complaints that he expressed about skepticism in his Astonishing Legends interviews. What unfolded was a really interesting conversation that I'm pretty sure we could have carried on for another couple of hours. I I, I wouldn't call it a debate, and it's not strictly about monsters, though we do talk about some darn strange critters, and I sincerely hope that you listeners enjoy listening to this as much as Karen and I enjoyed having this talk with Richard. We've broken this discussion into two parts, and part two will air next week. If you're a Patreon supporter, you'll have early access to the second half through the Patreon website. We're trying to figure out how to give some extras to you folks who are kind enough to support us this way, and we'll keep working on that. So without further ado, here's part one of our discussion with Richard Haddam. Monster Talk. Okay, so I guess we should get started. So, uh, Richard, thank you for joining us today. So Yes. Let me oh, see. my pleasure, you guys. I'm happy to be here. I'm going to try to do an intro here, and let's see how this sounds. Because it's, like, uh, it's not a full bio, just I think uh, I'll probably that do something. That would take too long. Well... <laughs> Yeah, you've got a lot of credits. So here's what I'm going to go with. You correct me if I miss anything up, all right? Okay, okay. That's a new phrase I've come up with. It's mess anything and miss anything if you if I miss anything up. Okay, all right. So that's very that's the same when I say it. So very efficient. All right. <laughs> right. Richard's a screenwriter for such shows as The Gates and Miracles and has producing credits for shows like Damien, No Tomorrow, and The Witches of East End. But he's also the screenwriter for the motion picture, the motion picture, that's very Southern, the motion picture adaptation <laughs> of John Keel's landmark Fordian book, The Mothman Prophecies. And this is one of my favorite films to dramatize a real world Fordian type event. And after hearing him interviewed on the Astonishing Legends podcast, I wanted to have him on Monster Talk to talk with us. And while I can tell we're coming at this material from different perspectives, he clearly loves the same material as much as Karen and I do. And I think we're going to have a really fun conversation and hopefully an interesting one. So welcome to Monster Talk. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So, yeah, can you tell us how you came to be involved with uh, bringing John Keel's The Mothman Prophecies book to the big screen? Um, I, yeah, totally. Um, what what happened was, I mean, I'll I'll give you I'll give you the full full story, okay? So this is back in uh, 1996, uh, early 97, and I I had um, already my my career had sort of just gotten started. Um, one movie had been produced. Uh, I had been hired to write 
uh, another movie. So th- things were kind of moving along, but it was still sort of on me um, to create new material. And I'd, um, I hadn't really done adaptations, but for some reason, I vividly remember that I was in this place where I really wanted to do something that, that was in the realm of, of the supernatural, because that's always been one of my interests um, uh, since childhood. You know, all the things the three of us love, monsters, UFOs, ghosts, all that kind of stuff. Those mysteries were fascinating to me. And, and I'd spent a few years, um, really throughout the majority of the 90s, sort of reacquainting myself and reading a lot of books about, you know, people who had had strange experiences. And I, I got to this point where I realized that um, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood movies uh, would, would always sort of use the, the supernatural as a way in. And you know, it's like the first half hour of a particular movie would always be really interesting when it was just the weird stuff happening. You know, like the changeling or poltergeist, which is one of my favorites. Um, but, but then it always seemed like ultimately these movies sort of then had to become stories and, and it's like, Oh, well the house is haunted, but then it becomes a story about how the ghost is trying to tell us information, you know, and, and expose the, the murder and, and, or the ghost is trying to murder us or, and it goes into a direction that no, if I may say real ghost story ever goes. Um, it, it seems like every thing I'd ever heard from people talking about ghost stories or anything I'd ever read about someone experiencing the paranormal is something weird would happen. It had no explanation. It freaked the person out. End of story. I mean, is that pretty much what you guys? Yeah. You know, you know it's funny because uh, you, you, you know, we're going to probably cover some of the same material as uh, you talked about on Astonishing Legends. And when you said that, I immediately thought of two examples. You said the changeling, and that is exactly what the changeling is. And then you've got uh, the ring, which is basically the same idea, but it inverts it at the end to surprise you. But that's it. Yeah, that's basically right. the spectrum. Right. Yeah. And and w- what I always loved about these stories was was sort of that that place of of having a normal life and then having something really strange and different foreign come into that life. And how do you reconcile that? And, and, and what does that feel like? And so in, in my mind, I just kept saying, I want to write something. And it's, it's sort of like a guy moves into a house and it's, it's haunted haunting phenomenon begins to occur. But then Instead of, uh, instead of uh, you know, then it leads to clues to a murder or something, it's really just a story of a person going, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to set up cameras all over my house, and I'm going to record it. Or I'm going to, okay, well, let me bring in a priest. Let me see if I can exercise it. Let me do all the normal, smart things a human being might do if they were just like, no, this is an interesting situation. I apparently have a haunted house. (laughs) That sort of (laughs) rational, detached approach. Right, right. Rational, detached approach. And then, and then, and I kept thinking, but, but the kicker has to be that at the end, they don't know anything more than they did at the beginning, because that's, that's the real, that's the real ghost story. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. 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 The real ghost story is you're left with this weird thing happened. I can't explain it. I don't know. And the end. 
And I'm like, that's awesome, but of course, that's not a movie. So I, I was sort of stewing on this and living my life. And then one day I came across the book, The Mothman Prophecies, and it was the um, it was the Illuminate Press sort of uh, large format paperback version with the Frank Frazetta painting on the front. Do you Beautiful know that? that yeah, yeah, one? absolutely. Yeah. And I'd never I, I think I'd always heard about the book, but I didn't really know what it was about. And I didn't know who John Keel was or anything. So I picked up the book and I read the back of it. And I went, this is it. This is my movie. Wow. And and then I took the book home and read it and went, oh, okay, this is not a narrative. There is no, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this is fascinating. Every It's like a box of amazing, cool things, but none of them fit together. Right. It's a, and, it's a, it's a real world Twilight Zone. He slips off from the normal world into a crazy Twilight Zone world. And then at the end, doesn't know why. I mean, not really. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and so and in reading that and and again just trying to hook back into emotionally what was so um what was so poignant about the story to me and and all of these stories frankly is that is that sense of wonder and that sense of wow. I mean like let's let's just, you know, for the moment say this did happen how strange and what could it possibly mean and 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 how do you go forward with your life and the more i thought about it the more i thought oh i know what i'm really thinking about i'm thinking about the big mysteries that all humans face the mystery of life and death and and that, and and of course that is so inextricably tied to all of this phenomenon wanting to have a feeling that there's a connection to those who have passed on and 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 excuse me, and that's when the idea of of really making him a guy with a wife and a life, and that gets interrupted, and then this exterior phenomenon, this exterior weird, uh, you know, place Point Pleasant becomes a landscape on which he can address some of these grief issues and some of these, you know, issues of why do things happen in life, lucky things, unlucky things strange things, paranormal things. Why do they happen? And then ultimately, like a human being, having to be left with the answer, we don't know. Sometimes you just get a brain tumor. Sometimes you just step out into traffic at the wrong moment. And you'll spend the rest of your life wondering why it happened to you and your family and not the people next door. Um, and 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 that's that's the feeling that I'm going for. And, and, and I think that's what pondering the paranormal evokes in me. That's neat. Yeah. And there's a lot of common ground, I think, between the, the way that you're looking at things and the, the way that we see things too, just our love of these topics and interest in them. Um, well, you know, it's funny because I know, I know at, at some point uh, we'll, we'll, we'll drift off into our, you know, uh, skeptic conversation or, or, or maybe we'll drift into it right now. Um, but since I don't really like this is the first time we're meeting and actually having a, a, a live conversation, um, I was curious as to how, you know, how you guys would describe yourselves in terms of how you look at this phenomenon and, and sort of what it what it evokes for you emotionally or personally or whatever. Yeah, that's a really good question. Do you, do you want to go first, Karen? Or you want me to? Um, sure, I'll go first. I think I consider myself as a to be a skeptic, but very open-minded, 
as well. And I was was reading a little bit about you when you spoke about how uh, you'd always wanted to be a, a writer, but you, you kind of forgotten that for a while and, and found out that you'd been writing since you were about five. Uh, and so I, I was actually doing that myself. I used to write uh, ghost stories when I was five about a, a ghost called Zuz. And um, so... <laughs> I've, I've always been fascinated with uh, the paranormal and I'd hear other people talk about their personal experiences. And uh, I think I was on the lookout for something myself. I, I wanted to have a personal uh, paranormal-like experience. And um, so over the years, I, I just uh, really had a great interest in this and got involved with an organization uh, called the Australian Skeptics. And so that really, I think, molded me and, and my perspectives on things um and uh, I, i've had some strange things happen to me along the way but i think i've always rationalized them and um looked for natural explanations for for phenomena rather than necessarily looking for paranormal explanations but uh well, I, I think my love of these things outweighs everything else well that's that's really interesting because i and you said a few interesting things the the first one is that you you feel that some strange. Th I just want to understand it because maybe I misheard it. You feel like sure. some strange things happen to you, but then did you say you actually did find mundane explanations, or you didn't, or you're I open, or like did where did you land with it? This this shows about you, but uh, I've written a book called "Would You Believe It," and it's actually a collection of paranormal-like experiences of uh, skeptics and atheists and non-believers of all different kinds, uh, and some of the stories. They're not able to explain what happened, and in other cases, they can. Um, so, with the stories that I include in the book, they're, they're things that I did ultimately find rational explanations for. But again, I can't recreate the phenomena of what happened. Um, so, it's, I'm really just left with looking for explanations. And there is a, a question mark at the end of them. And and um, they're, they're, oh, overall, they're just fun experiences that I've had. Um, but they just involve, in one case. Uh, I was uh, at a haunted, supposedly haunted location in Australia called the Quarantine Station, and uh, I was there with a, a group of friends on a tour, on a ghost tour, and uh, we were outside a room. Um, it, so it's kind of like an Ellis Island for Australia, and okay. uh, so people would visit there or be brought into the, the country at that point, and if anyone had smallpox or cholera or typhoid fever or something like that, then they would uh, have to come through here and stay there for a period until they were quarantined and, and they were okay. Uh, so there's a lot of things that have happened there and uh, a lot of deaths, a, a lot of misfortune, uh, so lots of ghost stories. And we were in outside a particular room where they used to hold up parties and things like that, and, and we could hear a function taking place inside. We could hear glasses clinking and people laughing and talking and music playing. And uh, so eventually we tried to walk into this room and the lights were out. There was absolutely no one in there, nothing going on, yet we had heard the sounds of this phantom party. So um, we wondered what was going on. We looked around to see if maybe there was a function going on in a, an adjacent room or something and uh, we just couldn't find the source of it at all. So uh, ultimately I came up with the theory that because this was on a uh, kind of a peninsula area that was jutting out into the, the water, into the Sydney Harbour, um, I just believed that the sounds were coming in from the mainland and that there was a party and we were hearing those sounds that were being brought in. 
So again, this show isn't about me, and I'm going off on, on my own story. But um, no, no, but that's I think, great. I, that's that's actually, I think that's really instructive and and instructive to me okay. and, and to the listeners because because I mean, you've described a classic situation, and and I've I've heard so many stories like that in which me too. Um, sounds are occurring, and they and mm-hmm. they you. you it, it feels like, or, or maybe it really does sound like sounds from the past. So it's sort of an audio haunting oh, yes. it, of, of some sort. It did and, sound like it was from a bygone era. It was very creepy. Yeah, I was actually yeah. thinking before the show that we probably should make sure that Richard gets a copy of your book because I think when you oh, look at the list of people, the people who've actually contributed to it, it's uh, it's kind of a who's who of of skeptics that you might not think would even consider these sort of experiences. So people yeah. like Joe Nichol. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that and, is and interesting. Blake Smith. Yeah, yeah. That Blake Smith guy, I don't trust him. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, what what I was going to say is what's intriguing about your theory and what I like about it and I think what 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 appeals to anyone is that it it feels testable. It feels like, well, given the right uh, you know the amount of g- given time and money and permission, you could mm-hmm. set up um, recording devices throughout that room, and mm-hmm. and then while keeping track of and maybe even you know getting audio experts to go well b- based on the landscape, these sounds could be you know sort of you know th- th- these hills could be reflecting the sounds or in in some way they could even predict uh, if if you did capture something on those recordings, it's like. Oh yeah, the high school football game right down here in this valley, you know, and the wind was right. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, that that's exactly what's going on, and and I would, I would like to believe that most people investigating the paranormal would be happy to hear that and would sort of go, well, now that's an interesting tool to have now, mm-hmm. kind of like when you know a while back uh, it. it, it there was a story going around. It was probably on This American Life or something like that, where, um, where, where the, there was a house and the people were experiencing, you know, ghost phenomenon and haunting phenomenon, and and it turned out there was a carbon monoxide leak in the house. Yeah, that's uh, Carrie nice. Poppy's. That's a uh, Carrie Poppy story. She is uh, a friend of the show. She's uh, mm-hmm. she and Ross yeah. Blotcher. They do a podcast called uh, Oh No with Ross and Carrie, and uh, that actually happened to her. She's done a TED talk about it. Yeah, I, could really yeah, I mean that. That to me is amazing and valuable because it does two things. One, it it gives you one it it gives you a card to play when you go and investigate a haunting. If you're you know if you consider yourself a true investigator, where you can just go look at that immediately and go look is there you know is there some weird gas leak in the house mm-hmm. causing this? And then and then twofold, what what does carbon monoxide do to the brain? And what do various chemicals do to the brain? And what specifically are those effects? Are they common to all people? Do they differ? Um, you know, and, and, and let's use that as a way of culling out yet even more explainable phenomenon and then hopefully further isolating that which is still unexplained where we can then focus our attention. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's can this be used to falsify uh, the at least some of the the ghost hypothesis or you know what people mm-hmm. are experiencing? 
Absolutely. So quickly, uh, I think I've talked about my uh, road to skepticism story before here on the show. So listeners, uh, you can fast forward a few minutes if you don't want to hear it again. But (laughs) 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 uh, I always always feel like when we tell these stories, it's like we're uh, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, I come from fundamentalist Christian background. And so it's like uh, it's like we're testifying or or we're doing our conversion story. Right. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting, too. Actually, that's I mean, that's a fascinating bit of of a skeptical background, which which I think I understand, but I haven't heard your story. I want to yeah, let me, let me, so, so I come from a very religious background. My family's a very fundamentalist, uh, by biblical literalists, um, and still are, um, and snake handling. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> only if you have a shovel or a hoe, that's the only way they handle snakes. So. Down the street. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Actually, it's funny There there are, to the best of my knowledge, Two snake handling uh, churches active in Georgia, and both of them were the, within 25 miles of my house. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, one was in Kingston, and one was right outside uh, my hometown of Cartersville, Georgia. So, uh, I don't live too far from there, although I have traveled the world since then. But uh, I, I grew up <laughs> with a, a, a very strong religious background, but I also uh, was always fascinated with. Uh, Bigfoot, ghosts, uh, the paranormal. So, you know, I just sort of, as soon as I got access to a library in school, I I immediately gravitated to the monster stories and the monsters and the UFOs and the aliens. And I just, I always loved that stuff, but I wasn't really uh, as concerned about whether it was real or not as I was about how scary and interesting it was. And so I wanted to be uh, I was also fascinated with biology. I wanted to be the guy that found Bigfoot and proved it was real. You know that. that. So I, you know, well, I, sure. I just want, you know, I loved in search of. I don't. Everybody my age mm-hmm. who's into this stuff. Oh, probably, me too. Yeah, it's just oh, it's totally. just the best, Absolutely. right? So, uh, so growing up like that uh, as an interesting side. My father's a carpenter, and um, a lot of what he did to make money was we would tear down old houses. And then recycle the materials in a time when that really wasn't a popular thing to do. But we're talking about houses built either right before or right after the Civil War. So a lot of really old houses. Um, And so we'd find them in distressed situations, take them apart. I would be pulling the nails out of the boards and so we could run them through a planer and put them back into new houses or old houses that need to be restored or whatever. And uh, so I spent a lot of time in old mansions and old shacks and, you know, storied, interesting places. Um, but, uh, you know, with this curiosity about the paranormal, I always expected to see a ghost and never saw anything paranormal. And, you know, I was always disappointed. And then I got into yeah. the Navy, uh, as an adult. And, uh, while I was stationed in the Middle East, I had a very peculiar, uh, set of circumstances when I was living in an apartment in Bahrain off the coast of Saudi Arabia. And, uh, I had, uh, what I think most people would consider a haunting. I, I started with, uh, something crawling into my bed at night, getting on my chest, and I couldn't get away. Uh, I had light bulbs exploding. I had uh, a woman come to a party, and she walked into my house. There's an older woman, and, and the first thing she said to me was not hello or welcome or Merry Christmas. It was, I sense a presence here, <laughs> which is, if you've already had the exploding light bulbs, is a deeply disturbing thing to be told. So, uh, you know, and so uh, surprisingly, it, after I got out of the Navy, this experience followed me around. Uh, like I moved into an old house uh, in my hometown that had belonged to my grandparents. And uh, I still experienced the exploding light bulbs and 
creepy really? sensations. Yeah, yeah, it was very peculiar. And so uh, all this was quite terrifying to me, and I tried a, a, a variety of things. I, I called the Catholic Church, and I'm not even Catholic, and wanted to know if they could come give me an exorcism. Uh, I, <laughs> I, had a, I had a pagan friend do a smudging ceremony. Of course, I prayed nightly. I slept with the lights on, a, a, a number of things. And then one day... Because uh, I always was interested in the paranormal, but none of the books I read really had any great advice. I mean, none of the stuff I tried worked. Um, but I was watching a TV show, and Michael Shermer came on and started talking about sleep paralysis, and my jaw dropped. Holy crap! I must have read twenty books about ghosts and hauntings, and I don't remember ever reading about this before. And so I started looking into it, and sure enough. All my symptoms matched up with sleep paralysis. Uh, that didn't explain the exploding light bulbs. But once I learned about that phenomena, I started, instead of thinking about the whole thing as a haunting, I started isolating the phenomena and trying to figure out if I could find a cause for each one. And ultimately, I found what I felt were satisfactory mundane explanations for every aspect. Now, one might question, well, wait a minute. Are you just looking for the easy answers? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I I feel like it all had a good natural explanation that comported pretty closely uh, to a, a natural explanation. The, the sleep paralysis <laughs> certainly played part of it. The light bulbs all came from one set of light bulbs. And so until I, I bought them in bulk, until I ran out of light bulbs, the exploding happened. When I switched light bulbs to a new batch, that stopped. <laughs> So, but what about the psychic woman? You know, you that one that? was that was one of the things that gave me the most trouble. And uh, ultimately, I, I I don't have a great explanation for that, except that uh, she was coming to the party to meet her husband, and her husband and her were both very interested in the paranormal. She was coming from England to see him. He was an expat living in Bahrain, and. Uh, I had told him extensive stories about what I was experiencing, and I know mm -hmm. he must have communicated that to her because yeah. otherwise she wouldn't have known how to get to the party. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I know he had talked to her. <laughs> so my assumption is she always considered herself to be a sensitive, and uh, it, it seems like it might have been something of a hot read, I guess is my point. Possibly. Uh, I but, see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. – yeah, and, and we all know those people who, who sort of pride themselves on, you know, sensing – things exactly and, <laughs> and, and 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 you know you you take that with a grain of salt so but l <laughs> let me just understand so you 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 had a like a stash or a pack of light bulbs that you brought with you from one living space to another <laughs> living space is that yeah, right yes because i was poor <laughs> okay I, no no I, just, I wanted to, i just wanted to make sure i understood what you meant it was yeah i like bought them in bulk in one house you, you could, were like right, different right, right. houses in different places right right i bought them in, in a big old pack of like a whole bunch of light bulbs on base in bahrain uh and they were you know ones that they were sold at discount to the navy right and so uh, okay. <laughs> when, when I moved uh, out of the, you know, back to the states, I shipped everything back, right? And so that included all my light bulbs. And so until I went through that whole case of light bulbs, uh, I was still having that problem. But you know, that was uh, you know, with other things going on. Considering maybe I should just switch the light bulbs was really not even a, you know I, it didn't even occur to me. So I was not the well, most uh, yeah, rational of thinkers at the time. I, I've I've learned a lot since then. You know. <laughs> yeah, and and I I think I mean that's that's a you know a really kind of cool, interesting, instructive lesson about about how to kind of approach all this stuff. And 
and I actually love that you 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 kind of figured it out. Um, so I guess um, I had a question, but I, I, I guess what I wanted to ask is when you came to the end of this experience, you were sort of like, wow, I kind of I kind of got myself worked up into a state sooner than I needed to or or maybe even, you know, when I didn't need to. Wow. That was an easy alley to wander down. And and maybe I got to just keep a bit more self-possession before I immediately wander down that alley first. Alley's always there. If I need to go down the something weird is happening alley, I always can. But maybe I need to take a breath first and really look at the, the other stuff. Yes, that's true. Is that kind of where you were? Yeah. In fact, if, if you go back to our archives, uh, uh, quite a few of our early shows were really – Here's a, something that scared the sh- – well, someone said crap. Something- <laughs> we'll, we'll try to keep that G rating. Yeah. Here's something that scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. We, we did quite a few shows about topics like that, right, Karen? Um, mm-hmm. Where we basically just looked at cases that used to scare us and tried to dig in and see if we could figure out what was going on. And um, Oh, that's cool. So like Jeff the Talking Mongoose, that's a, a cryptid that Karen and I both absolutely love. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's a cryptid, or maybe it's a poltergeist. It's hard to say. It's a peculiar yeah. story. There's a guy yeah. named Christopher Joseph who's probably done more research on this than anybody, and we had him on to talk yeah. about it. And uh, he's written a book now. I remind my listeners that if they haven't picked up his book, you should grab it. It's really, really interesting. So he's Is really, it that new, it's the it's the new one, or it's within the last year or so, right? Yeah, about two years, I think, now. And so, he was yeah. working on it for a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of things like that. Uh, we had on uh, Mike Dash... Uh, who used to be uh, one of the head people at Fortean Times uh, to talk about uh, Spring Hill Jack. Mike's done some fabulous work researching these kind of topics. Same thing, uh, Spring Hill Jack used to scare me. Having Mike on gave it a whole bunch of historical context. Doesn't explain it, but it really, you know, knowing more about the what can be, you know, demonstrated from primary sources, uh, that kind of stuff, it lets you sort of contextualize stuff a little better, I think, than just what we like to call the echo chamber of paranormal literature, because a lot of these books, yeah, uh, not just retelling the stories. Right, yeah. The, and the stories are yeah. great. I don't, I'm not trying to take anything away from the stories, but sometimes, or at least for us, I think there's people out there who want to know in the end, was it real? You know, and if that's not important to you, there's plenty of material out there. If it is important to you, that's kind of what this show's about. So yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. 
Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audio book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. Well, I was I, I was surprised um, that Forty and Times mo- more often than I expected takes a a skeptical. Uh, well, let, let me I, I, again. I want to be really careful with the terms I use. It, it, it's not so much skeptical, but if something has been explained, they they lay it right out there. They go, well, here is what the investigation led to. And it led to what feels like an explanation for this. Yes. I don't find that they're artificially trying to extend a mystery. They're sort of saying, well, look, it, it, we've, we've researched it and it, here, are, here are the results. Yes, and, it's and fair. That's surprising. Yeah. It's it, they do, balanced and fair and balanced. <laughs> I think, but looking oh, at uh, looking, exploring all, all possible explanations, I think that's what right. We but like to do. if and there is in- a good explanation and they can demonstrate it, they will. And and not only that, I'll tell you something else, Richard. They pay their writers. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's so, a big thing for people like us. It's oh, well, no, but no, Blake. Don't you? If they're paying their writers, then then those writers have to toe a party line. So they will now alter what they're writing because now money's involved. It's totally corrupt. <laughs> so you know, it's I, I, I'm I'm delighted to have been published within their pages, and uh, they were yeah. wonderful to work with. Their editor did such a fantastic job of making me sound like I knew what I was talking about. It was brilliant. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You know, okay. So here, I, I also wanted to ask you uh, a somewhat personal question. Um, and you know, let me know if you feel like answering it. But when you were growing up in this in this um, religious household, um, like where did you stand as a child? Were you were you did you go through a period of, oh yeah, I, I definitely believe everything I'm hearing in church, or I'm or, or it's having a big a big emotional effect on me, or were you always sort of like what? Oh my okay, gosh, whatever. no, I was I was a Bible thumping fundamentalist. So yeah. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. No. Until hard- what age? Oh, okay. So I, I became, uh, let's say I was something of a doubter into my mid twenties. And then, uh, it was not until after I got married that there's a a somewhat funny story here. I I don't remember if I've told this story on, on the show or not. Uh, but I'll, you know, if we if you've got time, I'll tell it. So can we keep our G rating? Uh, but no, no, it's all right. So, so what happened? <laughs> so, so it, after I got married, um, uh, you know, I, I had become more and more skeptical about a lot of things, including, you know, the paranormal. So, uh, probably in 1997 was when I decided I was skeptical of the paranormal to the point that I wanted to have a scientific approach. So from 1997 to 2007, there were 10 years of me being a very skeptical person, but not knowing there were other people like me. So I was kind of alone. I didn't know about uh, the sort of online community, and I didn't really have any skeptical friends. Uh, So I, I, I definitely, from a social perspective... I was the guy at parties who talked about ghosts and UFOs, but, you know, 
the fact that I doubted them didn't really matter because as soon as you start talking about, say, Bigfoot, people presume that you are a Bigfoot believer. They don't really... Yeah. I'm basically... What I am is a Bigfoot nerd, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, you know, I mean, mean, it's like I I know a lot about it. Like, people know comic books or Star Trek, right? So... Yeah, um, you're a fan. Right, I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan who just happens. fan. Right. So um, <laughs> in uh, 2007 or so, um, I uh, decided that or, or you don't really decide. I have the personal belief that belief itself or faith is something that is built over time. It's You accrue faith, right? And so if, if it's built up over time, you don't just lose it instantly. It it's also has to be lost over time. And so the erosive process of losing my faith in the accretive process of becoming a skeptical person reached some sort of religious threshold around 2007, 2008, and I realized that I had become an atheist. Um, but, I, you know, my family is very religious, and I didn't really want to confront them about it. I, I'm not interested in proselytizing my religious beliefs or lack thereof. And so <laughs> I had the problem of I basically was uh, living in the closet as an atheist. Um, and so I didn't want to tell my, my mom. And I actually, when I told my wife, she was pretty upset about it. And she said, well, you should have told me this when we got married. And I'm like, no, 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 sweetheart. I, I, I just became an atheist. I just realized that I've become an atheist. And so she didn't want to talk about it. She was upset. And so she said, well, answer me this. And she asked me some question. And, like, I would answer, well, I think science explains it this way. And then she, I start to say more. She says, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it. And then, like, a month would go by. And she'd come back with another question. And then she'd ask me, how do, you, how do you explain this? And so this went on for about a year. And then, she, you know, she wouldn't want to talk about it at all. And then finally she said, okay, I'm an atheist too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I had, I, I accidentally you turned my wife. Your like, wife. Right, I accidentally converted my <laughs> wife. Right, so so now she's an atheist, and she's more of a fire and brimstone atheist, uh, which is interesting. Uh, and me, I didn't know this story. Oh I yeah, told me this. So, so well, I, you know, I, again, I don't want to erode people's faith because faith is really comfortable. And if if I accidentally take that away from people, it's a very uncomfortable thing to go from the comfort of knowing you've got a plan and everything's going to happen this way to suddenly going, well, wait a minute. What if it isn't? You know, it's not good. Uh, and even though I, I'm confident uh, enough for this life view of myself, I remember very distinctly what it's like to lose that safety net. And it's unpleasant. Um, so, uh, yeah. That's amazing. I, I, it can I ultimately be that. comfortable and reassuring, though. So I don't think. No, no, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it now, but I'm just saying, putting people through that, I, I don't want to be a part of that. So if, if they come to that yeah. conclusion, I'd be glad to talk to them about how I dealt with it, but it's not really what this show's about. It's not what I want to do in my life. <laughs> you know, it's, what's, what, what, what's interesting about that, and I think you, if you know anything about Michael Shermer, you know that I think he had a similar background and kind of made that same journey Yeah. Um, in his own way. But, um, but what's what's... Okay, so a little bit about my past. You know, I I grew up without religion. I didn't go to church. Um, my you know my dad was Catholic. My mom was a Christian Scientist, but they didn't really practice in any overt way. So I wasn't I wasn't raised in any particular faith. Um, aside from that, I was very much like you. In, you know, intrigued by ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoot and all that stuff. But. Um, and and I I do think that's that there's often a binary sort of uh, model in place, which is if if you're a believer, 
it means you you subscribe to an organized religion and the tenets of that particular religion, and then it, or or on the opposite side, you're an atheist uh, and you reject organized religion, uh, and and further than that, you you sort of reject religion in general and its basic precepts of the existence of a soul and an afterlife. Yeah, you a and, lot of it become the anti-theist, not just atheist. Yeah, 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 which 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 in a way I can understand because I I think you, you know I, I would say this is my personal feeling that that um that all organized religions by their very nature are creations of human beings and and by nature of our history men and 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 it's it's an attempt over a long period of time for human beings to take what is lurking in the fog and then drag it into the light and go we understand this and uh and here's what we understand about it uh it 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 wants us to do this and it doesn't want us to do that and here's our rules and here's our religion based on what how we have literalized a non-literal thing uh whether that's a, a a strange experience or whatever it is who the early people who created these religions experienced it's 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 an attempt to physicalize the non-physical my my belief over my lifetime is that a heck of a lot gets lost in translation in that process mm-hmm. and you're left with something that 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 is a little bit easy to poke holes in and go well why i've got to eat fish on friday what <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know uh, or, or whatever it happens I, but i'm not allowed to eat pork ever and i can't say the name of this uh, uh, ghostly leader and I, or i can't paint a picture of him because then he'll get upset and, and what what is going on with all this and and it it's difficult to reconcile but people feel that it has something to do with their most basic questions of life and death and meaning and why are we here? And I, and, and I'm always, I, I feel like I've always sort of been a traveler of this third point on a triangle, which is, I, 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 I do think there are non-physical things. And I, and I think there are things that, that lie outside of our perceptions, uh, at least at this point, that, that are that are going to be very difficult to pin down. Um, and, and I, in a way I think that's good. So it's like, I'm, I'm sort of both. I'm anti-organized religion because I feel like it's rushing to an answer to questions that have not been answered yet. And I'm also a little anti what I would say debunker because, well, the exact same words, I think we're rushing to an answer we don't have yet. The answer of the debunkers tends to be, well, that's all bullshit. Or they're crazy, or they're lying, and the and on the religion side, it's well, we've already answered it. It's Jesus. It's Muhammad. <laughs> it's yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, so everyone's already got an answer, and it feels better to have an answer. It, it feels does. so much better. It does mm-hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Either right. one, either answer is feels better, mostly to most people, and for whatever reason, I've realized. And this is purely aesthetic. This is personality. This is, I prefer seafood to beef. I prefer the mountains to the desert. 
I, I prefer the question, and I don't know why. But but to me, it's always like some weird um, paranormal escape clause. It's like, well, we don't. There is something, but you don't have the answers any more than I do. So it could be anything, and this keeps the conversation going. And to me, emotionally, that feels the best for me. So that's where I like to be. And then when I discovered, you know, Charles Fort and and John Keel and and the phrase "belief is the enemy," I'm like, oh yeah. On this side of me, I have religious believers, and on that side, I've got materialists who who sort of feel like, no, 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 it, it, it's been answered. And I'm like, well, if I, if, I, if I just if I remain neutral, and and keep my mind open, then then I can be happy. And 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 then I decided, okay, then I'll just be happy in that place. I think that's a great place to be I, because it makes you, or you should be, in the end, an honest questioner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of open either way, and I, and I, and it's funny. I've gone through these when when I was when I was holding myself like there was a point in my you know twenties and thirties where I was like, I am going to figure this out, and once I figure it out, I'm going to tell everyone, and then I'm going to be the guy who actually knows the answer, which is insane. Well, now yeah, come, there's, there's limits, right? So what you can know, right? <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's limits to what you can know. And, and I started like sort of, you know, drifting down a pathway of, oh, I think I do know what the afterlife is. I think this is what happens. And, and then, the, you know, it's, it's, you, you, it's sort of non-physical realm, but it's a lot like our life now, but it's slightly less physical and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And, and, and I, and I kept chewing away at all this stuff and, and, and now I'm sort of at a, at a place that I call the the Mozart Salieri uh, dynamic, where I'm a Salieri, and and but there's people out there who are Mozarts, and the Mozarts are the people who have ha- had an experience. They've they've they 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 have had a, a, an alien encounter. They've had a near death experience. They've had a poltergeist experience. They've, they've had one of these things that, for the sake of argument, let's say, are not explained or for them remain mysterious. And especially in the realm of the near-death experience or people who have had encounters with what I would call intelligent energies, at least that's how it feels to them. These people are the Mozarts. I, I honestly believe at this point, if I haven't had a weird experience, I ain't gonna. I don't think it's gonna happen. You never know. I think I'm... <laughs> yeah. You never I'll know. tell you something else. I'll, I I don't want to, and I used to really want to, and now since I've I've spent a lot of time just sort of like really reading up on the experiencer phenomenon, um, I kind of feel like people who have these experiences, whatever they are, ultimately, they're they're pretty life changing for people, and not always in a great way. Um, it, it rarely, I mean, I think for people who experience the near death experience, at least the majority of them come away feeling, you know, a, a little bit better about our place in whatever reality is, but people who have experiences with, again, what I'm going to call intelligent energies, um, they, 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 they come away not feeling so great. And and I, I I don't need that alien abduction shit. Let me tell you that. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. 
Well, you remind me. So, well, first of all, I wanted to tell you that the uh, with my little life story, there's a funny uh, sort of end note to that because uh, uh, my. Let me just throw this story out there. I don't know. I may edit it out, but uh, I, I don't think I've covered it on the show before. But the, uh, you know, my family is still very religious. I mean, I mean, they're you know very fundamentalist, and I I love them and. Uh, I still enjoy going to church when I go with them, but I wouldn't go normally on my own because it doesn't have the same experience for me. But I, I, I made this decision, you know, or, I, or reached this conclusion of, of that I was an atheist. Again, I don't think I chose it. It just happened. Um, but my I didn't want to tell my parents because uh, I didn't want to disappoint them, you know? I mean, yeah. this, is, this is not a trivial thing. I mean, for no. them, this is not... Oh, he's going to be going to a different church. This is oh, that's sad. My son is not going to be with me for eternity. Like, yep. I mean, it's it's a big deal, right? So I didn't really want to have that conversation. Because so when my mom would say she's worried about me, I would just say, "Oh, mom, don't worry about me. I'm confident that when we die, we'll end up in the same place, right? You know." But I mean something completely different. <laughs> <It's a ground. laughs> exactly. <In> a cemetery. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of horrible, but yeah. So uh, it, she called me um, a couple of years ago, one morning on a Sunday morning, and said, "Hey, you know, Blake, I've I've been, I just the Lord's been really talking to me, and I I just feel like we need to have a discussion. So I've, I'm really troubled about something. I need to talk to you." can you just come up here and talk to me? And so reluctantly I got off the phone with her and I told Kathleen, my wife, I said, Oh, it's time. She knows she's figured out that I'm an atheist. <laughs> she wants to talk to me about it. And I, I just got to man up and go up there and have the conversation. You know, I just, you know, just got to do it. And, uh, apologies to anybody who hates the phrase man up. But anyway, that's the way I felt. I, I, I got, I got, I got a John Wayne hitch up my gun belt and get up there and take care of this. Right. So I, I, with a, with a heavy heart, <laughs> I drove up and, and went to see my mom and it was just me and her. And I sat down and she, it was, you know, it was like a TV moment. She, she wanted to sit right next to me on the couch and look into my eyes. And she said, Blake, I, I just, I, I, uh, I was out riding around with your, your, your wife and her mother and they were talking and I just felt like they were trying to tell me something about you. And I'm like, okay, I don't know when this happened, but okay. She's like, just, I just want you to just come out and tell me the truth. And I'm like, okay, here it goes. I'm ready. Are you gay? She says. Wait, wait what? <laughs> like, what? I was like, already. I'm like, ready. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just say it. I'm an atheist. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, you know what? I I'm not gay, actually, Mom. That's uh, why I married a lady and have three kids. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I. I uh, <laughs> huh? Which is worse to her? Which would be worse? Right. No, I mean, honestly, I think she would probably prefer that I was gay because the Lord might forgive me of that. You know, it's like, right, you can <laughs> repent. So, totally. Yeah. I, I was think like, she was, I think this was her last ditch effort. <laughs> you know, for your mom, couldn't you just be gay for a while? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was like, I told Kathleen when I got home, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Show her my porn history? I don't know how to clear this up. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I, like, <laughs> I think, yes, you do need to do that. It's like, I, I don't, 
really think I can let her watch us because I don't think I could do anything at that point if they're in the room. <laughs> in fact, just thinking about that, I may never be able to do anything again. <laughs> has she has she ever raised that again? Or? Oh, it got really weird. No, honestly, uh, I don't want to tell tales of my mom, but basically what happened was after I got done with that conversation, I went out to my car and called my wife. I was like, where were you riding around with my mom? And that you were talking about this. And she, yeah. said, she said, I haven't been anywhere with your mom. And so I was like, oh, that's weird. So I, instead of leaving, I went back inside and talked to my mom. I said, mom, where were you going with my wife? And she's like, she couldn't remember. And then she said, you know, they changed my medication recently. And a lot of times my dreams <laughs> seem really real. Maybe I dreamed it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> It turned out that they had changed her meds. She had dreamed this conversation and it felt real to her. So, yeah, that's what that was. So I came out as an atheist by accident. Uh, As far as I know, she still thinks I'm gay, but, you know, I can't really (laughs) And for all our gay listeners, no, sorry to disappoint. I'm not gay, but I do love you guys. Thanks for listening. So... It, it, that is just beautiful. I love that. I mean, it's it's so you, you know. Here's here's the other thing. Here's the other emotional piece to all this, is that you know you you do you take a risk when you believe, and anything, and and the risk you take is alienating people you care about, and mm-hmm. and the other risk you take is having people you care about disappoint you by believing something else. I mean, we're getting very close to politics. And, and I know there are families that, that it's like you, you, the worst thing you could do is say that you're not of our political persuasion. Mm, In group, out group. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of us are going through that now. Yeah. A lot of us are going through it now. And, and it takes this incredible act of, of, of strength and will and belief in human beings on a level I never thought would ever be required of me to separate out those things and to go now, 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 hang on. I'll give you another example. Let me, I'll give you a, a, a but, but it, it almost straddles the line, but tell me what you think of this story. I work in Hollywood. Um, I've had three different occasions of knowing people working with them for a long period of time and really being struck by these people, uh, for how kind and generous and um, and and smart and just like really like emotionally smart and and like oh I this one this person I can depend upon to not go nuts on me that I've later found out are Scientologists. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And I gotta tell you, I would never call myself a bigot. <laughs> and yet, but <laughs> emotionally, I, like. Like almost a physical recoiling of no, 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 that makes you crazy. I don't like you anymore, kind of thing. And then I'm like, wait a second. What if they told me they were Mormon, yeah, or Jewish? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and, and and my reaction was the same. I would, or or someone told me that story, I'd be like, Jesus, what's wrong with you? A person's religion. And I'm like, Jesus, okay, well, this is somebody's religion, more or less. And I've already judged them. I've already experienced this person and said, you're okay in my book. So now what are you going to do, Haddam? 
Now what are you going to do? <laughs> You've got to reconcile it, right? So. You've got to reconcile it. And man, it's tough. Yeah. And, and, and yet it, and it's, uh, it's such a great slap in the face, though, to go, you know what? You think you're super tolerant, but you know what, mother Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> you can. You can. I, I have. I, I, I can cut it out. I can beep it out. I'll beep it. I won't cut it. I love you can to beep. Put a warning on the show. Yeah. yeah put a warning on. The I'm show. getting really I'm lazy. I just I f- get so tired of editing. What? <laughs> so you know, so it brings you up short, and it tells you, you know what? Okay, every, you you just gotta you just gotta keep going back to you know what? I I, I don't know, and I and I'm and I'm just gonna just try, try to try to you know rely on my instincts about people, but it's it really is a wake up call. Yeah. So, do they ever proselytize? I'm I'm curious. Do they ever? Nope. Not. At never all. been audited now. <laughs> nope. Not a word. Not no, a thing. No e-meters. <laughs> no. In fact, one of them I knew well enough, and and in a particular context, that I was just immediately like, "Really? Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, you've got to tell me." And then I started asking them questions, and they had been raised um, uh, in the faith. Uh, their parents were Scientologists. And so, and they, they were explaining, uh, I'm like, okay, so, you know, is there a creation myth? Is there an afterlife belief? Is there a this, you know, like, is it like other religions? And, 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 and this person was like, uh, yeah, so here's what we think this is. And here's what we think that is. And I'm like, wow, we had one conversation, never brought it up again, went right back to our old relationship and wow. still friends. Well, that goes against the stereotypes, which is a good thing too, to, to, you know, look at counter stereotypes and. Well, you know, but I mean, but, but you bring up a great point, which is the, the proselytizing. It would be the same thing if if I was in a situation where someone was aggressively going, oh, for God's sake, I know you write that stuff, but you don't believe it. Oh, I know. I, I'm <laughs> going to convince you why materialism and atheism and everything else is the only way to be. And if you're not that way, you're a fool. I'd be very uncomfortable, as I would if someone was like, you know, I'm very worried about those vampire TV shows you write. You know, Jesus doesn't like that. We need to talk about it. <laughs> I would like that. So, you know, it's, you know, and I, I, I don't want to hear someone telling me their, you know, political point of view and why I'm wrong. So proselytizing in any way, of course, would be disturbing. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I, I assume this show is going to actually come out after our, our, our show where we talk about Jack Parsons. But uh, are you familiar? Oh, with, cool. Yeah. Oh, he's right down the street from me. Oh yeah, I guess so, yes, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. I'm in Pasadena. I could literally walk pieces uh, to of him. that house from where I live. The God. That was all- I wish he hadn't have blown himself up. I, I swear, I, I think he would have gone on to be a continuing, uh, interesting influence on uh, on pop culture. Although maybe it's one and of and he people. is in a different way now. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely he's has. Legend. He's got uh, his, his footprint has grown in the past fifteen, twenty years. So. Yeah, you know they're doing they're doing a TV show about it. Oh him. yeah, we're yes. now, I didn't know about that when we started doing. I did a, a I've done a multi part history of uh, magic in Western culture, Western esotericism thing because I'm I'm very interested in that. And kind of the whole point was to get to Parsons, and then I didn't know about the show coming out, so it's all very timely. So yeah. speaking of Scientology, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that's what made yeah. me think of it. Exactly. And his connections. Yeah. So the, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. 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 No, that, that, that was all. That was a whole crazy scene. It really, really was. But but, but I think Parsons, like Keel, uh, was seeking the numinous. He 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 was really trying to uh, find out something beyond this world. I mean, if you look at Keel, um, in my reading, I mean, he starts out with uh, his first book's what Jadu, right? So, and in that book, yeah. he's looking for magic. He's looking to find. 
the lost world of magic and mystery that you know that the the world of science is kind of crushed and so by the time you get to the mothman prophecies he's he's coming across as sort of a a a disinterested observer but i i don't think right well because because in jadu he didn't um he didn't find it i mean jadu was so much fun because he he figures out the the trick uh behind all those things and and he sort of comes away going oh so they're really you know those mysteries I have now solved to my satisfaction, and then it, to me it felt like he moved on to others that that he 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 tried to solve equally uh, and and was unable to, and and ultimately st- stepped back. So you you met John Keel, right? Yeah, yeah, no, a number of times. Yeah. So so what was he like in real life? I mean, can you talk? I mean, you, I, if you listen to Astonishing Legends, I know that you talk about it a bit there, but I don't know what percentage of our show is crossover. Pop, you know, audience. So uh. he was he was a very um, uh, when I met him, he was in his late seventies, and he was um, I, I think he was really enjoying his uh, what you might call anecdotage. Um, <laughs> he he liked telling stories about. <laughs> I all, I love a portmanteau, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was, um, you know, uh, he loved talking about things. He loved being uh, coming across as irascible and and. Um, I mean, nothing he loved more than his business cards, you know, that he had printed up that said, John Keel, not an expert at anything. <laughs> and um, he, he loved being an outlaw. He, he loved being the guy at the UFO convention that would ultimately piss off, you know, the, the extraterrestrial people and the reptilian people and the, you know, abduction people, because he he, he sort of he drifted into an area of, look, I I. I I think something's happening, but I don't know what it is. And if you really want me to tell you, I don't think it's good. Um, I, I, I think he ultimately got to a place where he was like, there are other intelligences and they're more intelligent than we are. And, and they're, they've got the leg up on us. If, if, if they want to with us, they can with us. And they often do. And that might just be the point, which was a fairly dark <laughs> sort of sort of place to arrive but he's not the only one who's gotten there he's not the only one keel described himself as a demonologist did he ever talk about that i think what he meant by that i think he, a he meant to be provocative and b he meant that all of this is connected that all of these things you know it's funny you know people who, uh the, you talk about fundamentalist uh, christians you know they really aren't into messing with this stuff um they they have a very strong strong belief that that all all of this is a manifestation of evil spirits the devil demons and i think that's what john keel was touching on that one way or another these things manifest in different ways to different people little green men out of a ufo little green men who look like leprechauns or fairies um little dark creatures who appear as demons um that all of this stuff is coming from a, a somewhat non-physical realm and and it manifests in various ways that we interpret in various ways based on a lot of things. And none of it's been helpful. Nothing that anyone has ever heard from a content you know from their contacts with aliens has ever been helpful, has ever been provable. Very little that comes across in seance phenomenon is useful. 
I would say maybe the one the one phenomenon that is that that is somewhat beneficial in terms of practice and consumption is uh, mediumship, because it tends to take the form of. And again, I, I'm I'm going to say that I don't think they're all fakes, um, and that I and that I have had some experiences with mediums that I do not believe were cold readings or based on, um, you know, research into my life or the lives of people that I was with at the time. But people do tend to come away from those encounters feeling better. And, and so I, I kind of look at that and go, well, you know, okay, so net gain, you know, and if it costs a few bucks to feel better, you know, I've been going to therapy for 20 years. Monster dog. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You've just heard part one of our two-part conversation with screenwriter Richard Haddam about his experiences adapting John Kill's book, The Mothman Prophecies, into the motion picture. We discussed a lot of books, movies, and other material during this talk, and we'll have links to that in the show notes at monstertalk.org. Stay tuned for part two of our interview next week, or if you're a Patreon supporter, you should be able to hear part two now or very soon at patreon.com forward slash monster talk. Thanks again for everyone who supported us through the donations or positive reviews for the show. Monster Talk is an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views expressed on this show are those of myself and my guests and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views or opinions of Skeptic Society or Skeptic Magazine. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. There we have links to our Patreon pages as well as a donation button. A great way to support the show is to buy us books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindle, and we can share our digital library with each other. Finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please, share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Save the date for a colossal PsyCon 2018. Bigger venue, bigger stars, bigger ideas, bigger fun. Las Vegas, October the 18th to the 21st, 2018. PsyCon is already one of the planet's premier skeptical conferences where hundreds of critical thinkers come to Las Vegas, the city of illusions, to hear from the leading lights of science and skepticism. For 2018, we want PsyCon to be bigger than ever. We've even booked a bigger hotel. Come to Las Vegas at the Westgate Resort and Casino to see the brilliant and hilarious Stephen Fry on stage with Richard Dawkins. An opening night talk by Steven Pinker on the ideas behind his new book, Enlightenment Now. The triumphant return of James the Amazing Randy. Plus, New York Times science writer Carl Zimmer, 
psychologist and memetics expert Susan Blackmore, the Cybabe Yvette Dontremont, virologist and advocate for science-based medicine Paul Offit, and many, many more, along with comic musician George Rubb, serving as Master of Ceremonies, a magic show from Banachek, author book signings, and of course, a Halloween costume party. It's true, conspiracy theorists, quacks peddling fake medicine, and the deniers of evolution, climate change, and vaccine science are bigger threats than ever. With PsychOn 2018, let's show them that they have just met their match. We'll see you in Las Vegas. For more information and to book your tickets, visit csiconference.org. That's psiconference.org. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thanks again for listening. that you can now subscribe to Skeptic Magazine digitally? Just grab our free Skeptic Magazine app, currently compatible with iOS, Android, PC, Mac, Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire HD, and BlackBerry Playbook. Head over to skeptic.com magazine app to find out more and download more of your favorite Skeptic content. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.